You got a few words that ain't going down like that. Okay, verse 15. He says, King Nebuchadnezzar, I'll give you one more chance. Note, one more chance. Do you fear man more than God? What we need to realize is the enemy is persistent. He don't give up just because you didn't give in one time. He keeps coming back because his goal is to get you to compromise. But you must continue to resist him, steadfast, immovable, not subject to change, non-negotiable. Stand fast in the faith every time he tempts or tries you. You know, I remember when I was growing up, my mom would say, you know, because when I was growing up, when I was, you know, young in the world, I fought a lot. And so my mom would say, if you don't beat they behind, I'm going to beat your behind. And so I feared my mom more than them. So you know what the end result was. I mean, they had to get it because I was not going to have to get it from my mom. So how much more to fear God now than man? Pick up on verse 15. When the music plays, if you fall down and worship the statue, all will be well. But if you refuse, you will be thrown into a flaming furnace within the hour. And what God can deliver you out of my hands then? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried about what will happen to us. If we are thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. Not only is he able, but he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. But if he doesn't, not that if he doesn't deliver us, if you all throw us in the fiery furnace or not. Please understand, sir, that even then we will never under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have erected. So these three Hebrew boys, they knew about 1 Samuel 15, 22 that says obedience is better than sacrifice. But they also knew, can we go to Exodus 19, 3 through 5? They also knew, did we forget the Ten Commandments? Where he said, you shall have no other gods before me. Period. No idols, nor shall you worship any other gods, for God is a jealous God. He wanted all eyes on me. But so they knew that. So think about this. What have you bowed down to? Have you bowed down to sickness or poverty? And you have um, made a concession and accepted defeat or acknowledged defeat? What enemy have you made concessions for in order to end a disagreement by acknowledging defeat because you don't want to fight? You think about that, okay? Verse 19, back in Daniel 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and his face became dark with anger at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He commanded that the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than usual. 
So I mean, so back then, we seen about, we knew about cremation back then. <laughs> Verse 20. <laughs> and so he called, for, don't laugh too long, got to keep going, okay? And called for some of the strongest men <laughs> of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fire. So they bound them tight with ropes and hot fire in the furnace. Hold on. So they bound them tight with ropes and threw them into the furnace fully clothed. And because the king in his anger had commanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers as they threw them in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down, bound into the roaring flames. But the story don't end right there. Even though you might be down temporarily, there is still time on the clock. Keep watching God and get up. Now, this is one of my favorite movies right here. He ain't playing no games. Hey, you got to know who you with. And you got to know who with you. Get up. Don't stay down. Hey, there it is. Let's do this. And I believe, even though they were bound with hand and foot, by hand and foot, that their mouth was available. And I bet they were confessing the promises and the word of God. Hallelujah. Hey, Rocky wasn't no punk. Hey, you know what? Hey, we're going to do this. Also, let's go to Isaiah 43. 1 through 4 in the Message Bible. Because when you know the word and you know that God is for you and with you, when you remind yourself of that, you can't help but win. You'll never quit. So it says, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God. The Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. Can we go to Isaiah 43 and 2 in the Living Bible? You have to know who God is and who God is to you. In verse 2, it says, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God already gave you the outcome. He just said, I will be with you. You will not drown. You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. When are you going to believe God? Back to Daniel 3, 
verse 24 in the TLB. But suddenly, get ready for God to show up suddenly in your situation. As he was watching, God shows up. Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, wait, didn't we throw three men in the furnace? Yes, they said. We did indeed, your majesty. Verse 25. Well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire, and they aren't even hurt by the flames. And the fourth looks like God. So they went from bound to walking. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the open door of the flaming furnace and yelled, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego! <laughs> Servants of the Most High God. Come out! Come here! Now remember the flames, I mean, so he was, you know, he had to be sure, you know, he went in there, but he was close enough. But my question was, I said, Lord, how was he close enough and he didn't get burned by the flames, but the soldiers did? And he said, once he changed his confession, it changed his direction. Because he never said, when he looked in there, he didn't say servants of the gold statue. He said servants of the most high God. He never mentioned the golden statue again. People will believe, including some of you, kings and of the like, when they see the power of God in demonstration if you compromise beforehand, how will they ever see God? 27. Then the princes, governors, captains, and counselors crowded around them and saw that the fire hadn't touched them. Not a hair of their heads was singed. Their coats were unscorched, and they didn't even smell smoke. 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for he sent his angel to deliver his trusting servants his uncompromising servants when they defied the king's commandment and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. Because of you, laws can be changed if you don't compromise. He made a new decree and he said, now, I make this decree that any person of any nation language or religion who speaks a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb and his house locked into a heap of rubble. For no other God can do what this one does. Now, is that the truth or is that the truth? Hallelujah. In closing, don't compromise or make concessions with the enemy. You can't overcome someone that you've made concessions for. Do not acknowledge defeat. Resist him. Keep your integrity and focus on the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. And verse 30, then the king gave promotions to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego so that they prospered greatly there in the province of Babylon. 
Promotion and prosperity from the Lord is inevitable when you are uncompromising. So don't compromise. Stand firm in the faith, and the Lord will deliver you, promote you, and prosper you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless God. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. Uncompromising faith. Amen. Uncompromising faith. Well, we're going to keep it moving. We're going to keep it moving. Amen. Amen. Next, next speaker we have is Miss Patricia Danzel. Come on. Come on, stand your feet. Hallelujah. Bless God for Miss Patricia Danzel. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. I was asking the Lord, I said, now what am I going to talk about? Amen. But what he put in my heart is to talk about how you just really blessed me. The blessing that he just brought me to. Amen. Amen. My testimony. Amen. My testimony. Hallelujah. And I thought about this thing. What did it come to call last? I just thought about it and said, Hallelujah for turnaround. Hallelujah for turnaround. Praise the Lord. Ah, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. As I stand even yet before you, Lord God, moving myself out of the way, Lord God, that you, oh God, would speak, oh God, these words, oh God, with clarity, with understanding, God, and Lord God, that you be glorified in it, oh God, and Lord God, that I give you praise, oh God, and glorify your name in Jesus' name, amen, amen. hallelujah. So my mind went back um, um, when Pastor, um, I believe it was 2017, and he was talking about total victory. And, you know, when he pastor preaches things, we don't just let it go. We hold on to it until it manifests in our life. Hallelujah. And so it, miracles came, and then we got turned around. Amen. I said, I'm still holding on to your word, God, because you said it, and I believe it. Amen. And I said, at that time, I remember um, Minister Barbara. She came right along this and taught a lesson, and she had to ask the question, question what does total victory look like? To you as an individual. Amen. And I had to really think about that thing. Because I never thought about that. What does total victory really look like to me? Amen. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you. But I had to go home and sit down and write that thing down. What does it really look like? Amen. So I learned something. Hallelujah. About myself and some things that I had to really do. Soul searching. Amen. Hallelujah. I had to know. Um, be real with myself. Holly realized that I had to do some renewing my mind about some things. Hallelujah. And then I had to learn to listen to what he was telling me, not what he was telling somebody else. Amen. And then I had to purposely, hallelujah, make a daily effort to praise him anyhow, no matter what was going on, no matter who said what. Amen. One of my scriptures that I'm starting out with is in the book of Exodus, the sixth chapter, and verse six, six, familiar verse that we, we 
read. And this is the uh, King James Version. You there? And it says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their burden, bondage, I'm sorry, rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. Amen? Hallelujah. So he said in the life application, I went on to read that one, and it said, therefore, tell the descendants of Israel, and we are the descendants, that I will use my mighty power and perform great miracles to deliver them from the slavery and make them free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the Hebrews were rescued from slavery, they were also portraying the drama of salvation for us all. So when God redeems us through Christ Jesus from sin, he delivered us, accepted us, and made us... Uh, he was our savior through Christ Jesus. And then he leads us, lead us a new life to follow him. He leads us to a new life as we follow him. So a pastor expounded on slavery, which meant bondage, servitude, yoked up. Amen. Fetters on you, being captive. Can you imagine yourself all yoked up? Amen. Exhausting labor. Amen. And then this last portion said, the most common form of slavery in today's society is bondage, bonded labor, or debt bondage. And I said, whoa, I had to take a deep breath. Debt bondage. Because then when we were growing up, it was just a common to have some debt especially for your car, for your house. That was a common thing. And then you thought you still was doing something. And all that debt, and did not realize you had feathers and chains and you were still under captivity. You didn't realize that. Really didn't. And I said, I got offended about the thing. I'm just going to tell the truth. Debt bondage stood out like a sore thumb and I said Lord and then it says statistics says that this is this is the most common form of contemporary slavery according to the London-based NGO anti-slavery international which says a person becomes a bonded laborer when their labor is demanded as a means of repayment for a loan I say help Jesus Helped you, you know, because you thought you was a 10. And you went right on down. It's like, what? Oh. When you know, and when you learn something, bring you to some reality. Some change got to be made. Oh, God, I said, Lord, you got a lot of work to do. Talking about changing my mind. Amen. So from that time, I heard the word and was confessing the word and got my words together. Amen. And still nothing wasn't changing. So then I began to ask the Lord, what's wrong? What's wrong? And so the scripture, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 22, 22, 23, and it's the Passion Translation. 
Maybe Gigi means my, my helpers. It says, for truly, and I wrote down myself, because I can't see that. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm coming, though, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, for truly, if you are called to a life union with the Lord, you are already a free man. He said, you're already a free man. Come on. And those who were called to fellowship to follow Jesus when they were free are now the Messiah's slave. Mm -hmm. But that's a good, good slave right there. Because he want to bless us. He want to take us place. He said more than enough. Amen. He came to give us life in that more abundantly, right? All right. And 23. Since a great price was paid for your redemption, stop having the mindset of a slave. Hallelujah. Stop having the mindset of a slave. So there, uh, there's point one. Stop having the mindset of a slave. So stop. We got to renew our mind from slave to free. And so Proverbs 23 and 7 says, for as we, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So we've been thinking all this time, not knowing we were free, uh, that we were slave, but we were thinking we were free. I was thinking I was free. So thinking that I was free, but still making slave man decisions outside of God. We were doing that. Hallelujah. Still making those same decisions. Well, I'm um, I I ain't, I didn't have enough on this check for maybe because I, I saw that soon. I said I was going back to get it, but I got Macy's, and I'll pay it later. Still making slave man decisions, and still of waiting until you have the money to pay. But I don't know no better. Just go ahead and make that bill. I'll pay you later. That mindset got to be renewed. Got to be renewed. Not only in the finance, a lot of other things, but I ain't going that we don't got 20 minutes. Um, the pressure of what our friends and associates would, would think. They may not express it with their words sometimes, but if you look at their face and they find that you made a uh, you did what? <laughs> if I just look at you a minute like, hmm, let me help you out. I have to do what the Lord say do. Hallelujah. Or the pressure is controlling. Who will allow to subconsciously, and who would you allow to subconsciously influence your thoughts and decisions outside of God's? desire for you. We let a lot of people influence our life. Mm-hmm. Well, this family was his friend and um, spouses. You might have different opinions about something, but you're trying to do it God's way. And, you know, people influence our lives subconsciously. Some not, they're not saying everybody's trying to hurt you or whatever, but it's just their makeup. It's their makeup. And that's, they have that part in them. But you ain't got to be, um, 
following along with him. And are you the trendsetter? Do you have to be the first to have it? Because somebody else, ah, what that phone? What's the newest phone? I got to have the newest phone. I got to have those shoes, those leather shoes. I'm setting a trend. Do you got to be a trendsetter? You got to renew your mind out of these slave mentalities. And you know what I found out too? Sometimes we are trendsetters and we don't even know it. What you talking about, sister? I was a trendsetter and didn't know it. As I sat back the other day and I was look, looking, and the Lord just kind of pulled back the curtain at me. He said, you see, when they was asking you what you was doing or what you was thinking, they was trying to beat you to, for what you was finna do. They was, trying, they was trying to beat you to it. So that's why they was asking you. They see what you have on. They see what you're going about. I said, but that's what I wanted. And I paid for that. I ain't say, I ain't looking at nobody crazy or whatever. You could be a trendsetter and don't even know it. But make sure, if that's the case, that your heart is right. Your heart is right before God. Hallelujah, because your mind, we, we have to renew our mind. Renew our mind daily in the word. Renewing, praying, asking God, help me. Deliver me because some stuff been sitting in for years and it got to be come up. You got to come up and come out. And it's going to take some prayer and fasting. Praying the word. Amen. In Luke 10, verse 41 through 42, Passion Translation. We see Mary over there, she was renewing her mind. Yeah, Miss Gigi? Okay. And Luke 10, verses 41 to 42, Passion Translation. Let me move the passage. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled? Pull away by all these many distractions. Mary discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take that privilege from her. Undistracted. She found that she got her mind renewed. All this cooking and serving everybody, that ain't, ain't helping me none. It's just enslaving me some more. Just enslaving me, that's what it looked like to me. They can get it themselves or whatever. Mary said, oh, I'm finna go get what's important for me. I want my mind renewed. I got to get that good part. So if you want to be by them mothers, stirring them pots, sweating on, getting frustrated, go right ahead. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to get that good part so we can be distracted. Hey, we, whatever we got to do to get it, get it. Amen. Sometimes we have to shut off the negative voices in our head because that can be when you're trying to renew your mind, you got voices going on in your head talking at you, talking in your ears, trying to redirect you, and you're trying to go this way, and 
Somebody got so much input from the outside and the inside. And so you got a battle. You have to renew your mind. You got to pray. You got to guard your mind. Guard your mind in the word. And you can't be telling me, you better get out of here. You better get out of here in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against me were possible. Hold on the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. You better get out of here. You got to talk to that devil. Hallelujah. Amen. So you got to learn to listen. My point number two. Listen for his instructions for you. And follow them. Proverbs 1620, the NLT. Do what he tells you to do. What he tells me, not be what he tells you. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, New King James Version says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than yours. God's not going to do it the way you think it ought to be done. A lot of times we, um, we want to figure it out. We're going to plan it out for the Lord. This is the way you should do it, Lord. You know, or I, I suggest this. He's not going to do that. So you might as well sit down and listen. Get the download of what he's talking about. So change could be made. Because if it was going to work, you would have worked it out from the beginning. So it ain't working. So you need to listen to what he's telling you. And because, it, wait a minute, because he told me what to do, he told me to go sell my car. Amen. That's my testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, And each one of us are different, and we are, we have a different makeup. And so, therefore, he has different um, instructions for each one of us. When I look out here, he made all of us different. All shape, colors, sizes, you know, and character, and you're beautiful. If anybody never told you today you're beautiful and handsome, you're beautiful and handsome. Amen. God has made you. And created you that way. So he deals with each one of us individually. So I was, let me tell you, I was um, been praying to God and I say, you know what? Because I don't like being no slave, I hate the fact talking about I'm a slave. Okay, and I need to come up out of that. So I've been praying to God and I say, Lord, I need to get out of this debt. You know, so I'm calling, I say, the car paid off, the credit cards, the, the mortgages, you know. I'm calling the word of God, and I'm finding the word. He said, your grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The grace of God abounds toward me in every favor, in every earthly blessing, sufficient for all things at all times in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And our men of God said, he said, call that thing into existence. Hallelujah. Financial miracles are happening in my life every day. Hallelujah. So I'm calling that word, hallelujah. And I'm standing on it, hallelujah. And so I was talking to someone. I went to a salon, and um, I was listening to the young lady because I asked her, I said, where your vehicle at? I was looking for you, you know, to drive up here. She said, well, no. So she shared with me what um, her, they were doing. And they were on the path of getting out of debt. 
So I listened. Okay. And um, she said they sold their vehicles and they got a, a surplus. Oh, a couple thousand. I went a couple thousand. That's all. That's all good. Hallelujah. So I, I went all thrilled. But I listened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I got on my car and I was going on home. Mm -hmm. But I heard a little voice talking. I was coming. Mm -hmm. Now, Lord, you blessed me to come. Why you want me to get rid of it? So I got on home and then the Lord said, he said, now get on that computer and put in, put in for, um, ask them what they'll offer you for your vehicle. So I got in there and I put in for three, three, I went to Carmags, I went to Carvana and this place called Driveway, I ain't never heard of that. So I put it in, left it alone. Then a matter of 24 hours, I got a response from them. And um, one company offered me 34 plus for my vehicle. I said, hmm. Then another one offered me 36, 600 and something. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. Then another one asked me, uh, 36, 600. I said, okay. And then the Lord said, um, you get coming out of debt, right? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. He said, but this is the pathway I'm taking you. That was for me. That was for me. You have to follow the instruction for what, for you, what will God tells you to do. One of the witnesses in Matthew 19, 21, the easiest to read, I'm just going to read it, said, Jesus said to him, we're talking about this young, rich one, young ruler, if you would be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. He had an issue with that. He was too connected to the possession. So you have to make sure you're not told. They have you instead of you having it. So if you have it, you can release it. And you will have no schisms about it. You will have no heaviness in your heart. But if you just trying to hold and you trying, no, it's got you. Hallelujah. It's going to take some more fasting and praying. Amen. Amen. Deliver me, Jesus. Ooh, let that word search go way down in me, Lord. Find those places. Hallelujah. So I did that. And um, I told my husband, the plan that I was on. He's in the house, thank God, my family in the house. Hallelujah, my husband and my children. Hallelujah. And so I shared with him, you know, the adventure that I was on with the Lord because I want to be debt free. And um, so you listened to me. And I, I told him about, you know, the car thing. And he said, oh, babe. He wasn't too thrilled about it, but he supported me. <laughs> He supported me. And so the word says, as I, I reached out to pastor also, because the word says in 2 Corinthians, not Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 20 and 20, B, is in the NIV. It said, believers, it said, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophet, so shall you prosper. Pastor, word was, sell the vehicle and trust the Lord to give you a debt-free one with your, sub, with your surplus. I say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
So we did that. We sold the vehicle and we got the surplus. And I thank God that the vehicle, we ain't got no car payment. Praise the Lord. I'm still riding though. Hallelujah. The credit card debt is cleared off too. Praise the Lord. So we just got the mortgage and we still got a little surplus. Hallelujah. Ain't God faithful? Ain't God faithful? Hallelujah. So we just have to trust the Lord. On this journey, it is, uh, it can be tedious. Hallelujah. I want to go to 2 Chronicles 20th chapter. Hallelujah. 15th verse and the 21st verse. Because my third point is, while you're on this journey of turnaround, praise him. Praise him. Then it was trying to take my praise today. It's been very challenging. Almost to the point that I'm just going to go home and lay down. Huh? But I say, no, no, no. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Hallelujah. Though he may slay me, yet will I trust the Lord. Amen. And Second Chronicles 20th chapter, verse 15 and 21. It says, Listen to me, all ye people of Judah and Jerusalem. O you, O King Jehoshaphat, be exclaimed. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be paralyzed by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 21, at the consultation, consultation with the leaders of the people, be determined that there should be a choir leading the march, clothed in sanctified garment. They got some special garment. They ain't just get that everyday thing, but then when they got their best clothing, hallelujah, sanctified, that's set apart. Hallelujah. Singing and, and singing the songs. His love and kindness is forever. And they walked along and praised thanking the Lord. So in this, in your journey, in my journey, I get up and I begin to praise the Lord. No matter what it looks like, I want to sing hallelujah in anyway. way. He said, because hallelujah, call those things. He said, that be not as though they were. So I'm calling it in. I got to put my mouth on. I got to make a confession. Amen. That he is Lord. And he said, because this battle ain't mine anyway. It's the Lord. Even though I made the mess, he's going to clean up the mess. Ha. Because he is my father. Our father loves his children. Hallelujah. And because he loves us, he's going to make the way. He's going to protect us. He's going to lead and guide us. Amen. He said, but praise him. I thought about Obed Eden. He said he had the heart of the ark of the covenant in his heart. He's got up every day and went to praising God. Hallelujah. So I get up in the morning and I get to praising God. I sing hallelujah. Lord, I bless your name, God. I glorify you, Lord God. Hallelujah. I am debt free. I am the child of the king. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep a praise in my mouth. Hallelujah. From the rising up to the going down. Hallelujah. Though the day might have been a little hard. Hallelujah. Yet will I praise him. I will trust him. Hallelujah. Because when I think about he down on the cross. Hallelujah. From you and I, he didn't turn his back on us. Hallelujah. But it is finished. Let it be done. He did it because he loves us. And he wants us victorious. Amen. 
So praise him, hallelujah, while you know the turnaround is taking place. It is taking place, even as we speak. Praise him anyhow. Praise him like you already got the thing that is already done. Hallelujah. Because he's a God that's more than enough. Hallelujah. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything? Praise him. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise him. Hallelujah. Praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is worthy to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Even when I feel sick, he's still worthy. Even when I'm down, he's still worthy to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to keep this train moving. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, next speaker. Y'all stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Ready for the last speaker of the night. Hallelujah. Who is... Evangelist Ernestine Bland. Give her a hand as she comes. Hallelujah. Wonderful speakers. Praise God. All I have to do is come and say amen and close out. We can go home. Namika bought the house down and evangelist came right behind and did the same thing. Hallelujah. Uh, let me give you my scripture reading, and then I can have you sit. My scripture reading will be coming from uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. And I hope I can see this because I haven't been able to see all week. If not, I'm going to ask Lamika, could you read that for the board? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need you to read that. <laughs> Matthew 6, 14. And 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You can have your seat. Thank you, darling. Uh, my title, if I had to use one tonight, would be Forgive My Unforgiveness. And I chose that title tonight because I had a vision about two weeks ago. Uh, after I prayed, we, we, with that group we have with Milk to Meet, and we pray, and I lay before the Lord, and I try to hear what he has to say to me. You know, I just lay. But this morning, I had a vision. And the vision was, we were, it was on a Sunday morning, and we had come into the sanctuary and a lot of people started to come into the sanctuary. And the sanctuary began to get really, really crowded. And people were coming in and they were lined up out there into the streets. And all the buildings got filled. And pastor had to ask the, the men to go out and put up a, um, what do you call it, so they can see a screen outside for the men to see. It was so many people. When you looked around in here, it looked like ants were in here. People were coming. They were running into the building, said they needed to hear the word, that they needed to hear the truth. So they were coming in. Praise God. And as they came in and pastor was preaching, I tell you, the anointing of God was in this house. So even in my vision, I can smell that sweet smelling aroma. 
This was so real. The room was so clouded. You could tell that the presence of the Lord had been here. The anointing was great. And as pastor began to preach, and he was preaching the word, he began to rise up from the podium. He began to start to float. And as I look around, we all were floating also. Until I look, and we were outside, up in the air. And I saw something coming down like a cross. But as it got closer to us, I can tell it was, it was Christ. He was coming back for his people. And I sat up, and I said, oh, my God, that's the rapture. Hallelujah. But a voice said, if Christ would come back right now, would you be ready? And I said, I'll be ready. I'm praying. I, I repent. I'll be ready. And it said, how about unforgiveness? And immediately, my mind went to something that happened when I had a child at the age of seven years old, when she was seven. A man tried to molest my seven-year-old child. Someone that was supposed to love her. Someone that she loved. Someone that was supposed to protect her. Someone that I entrusted her with. Because he was her father. So he was supposed to love her. He didn't get, he wasn't able to molest her, but he made advances and made her touch him. And because my son came home early, it stopped the process. So when my children told me about it, they were with him for the summer. So I didn't find out right away. So you can imagine the anguish that was in me after I'm finding out weeks later. I wasn't safe. And there was no good thing happening. I'm telling you, because not only did I have anger, I had resentment. I had hatred. And we know that those are some terrible things to have. But I plotted to do some things to him. But I thank God that, hallelujah, that he didn't let him go through, that he didn't. But I realized that evidently that was in my heart. Now, when I got saved, I asked God to forgive me. Forgive me for everything that I've done it wrong. So I would think that that would, that would be covered. <laughs> but I realized whenever that subject would come up or something would come up, something would ache in my heart. You know what I'm saying? It was. So I immediately jumped out of my bed that morning, and I got on my knees, and I repented. And I asked God to forgive me for my unforgiveness. Forgive me that I didn't forgive him. Although it's hard to forgive something, oh boy, someone hurting your kid. I know we all love our children. You can do a lot of things to me, but you can't do a lot of things to my children. Okay, because I don't know about that. <laughs> but anyway, hallelujah, God. Anyway, I repented. All right. But I know that, that's hard, like I say, that's hard to get out of your heart. Because unforgiveness, could you give me the definition of unforgiveness? Lomika. <laughs> Unforgiving, unwilling or unable to forgive, having or making no allowance for error 
or a weakness. Praise God. Unforgiving. Unwilling. I was unwilling. I was so unwilling I was unable to forgive one. I use these definitions. I chose these definitions because they, 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 they had something to do with my situation. I was unable to forgive him because he was my husband, ex at the time, her father. Nothing that you can tell me could change, could make me understand why. Drugs, I wasn't on drugs at that time, but he was on drugs. Drugs couldn't make you do that to your child. Should have made you go out and try to find something. But not to your child. Can you imagine what that did to her? As she grew up, I had to explain to her how she had to forgive him. Because forgiveness was for her. But I still yet harbor that unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Hurt, betrayal, for someone that's breaking my trust or causing me to have emotional or mental stress. I had mental distress, emotional stress, worried about what she would have because I couldn't forgive him. When I got saved, like I said, I thought maybe that was covered, but evidently it wasn't. Can you give me the definition of forgiveness? Forgive. <laughs> to cease to feel resentment against an offender. Okay. And I went on to put, to forgive one's enemy, to forgive an insult, or to grant relief from a payment or from a debt. To cease to feel resentment was for me. I had to stop. I had to let go. I got myself together. I had to let go of those feelings, but evidently something was still there. This has got to be like 20-something years later. If I had passed away during this time with that anger in my heart, do you know where my eyes, where I would have opened up my eyes at? So I'm here to just thank God this morning, that, I mean tonight, that he, he didn't take me or he didn't come back while I was in my sins. Because anger, unforgiveness, is a sin. It is a sin that caused bitterness in our life. And the Bible warns us about bitterness. Uh, one example is Ephesians 4 and 31. Ephesians 4:31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Right. Even in the last two weeks, I had to learn. I, I mean, I don't have any evil speaking. But I'm saying because I, after I got saved, I was forgiven for those things. But I'm just saying when you don't have, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, that's still there. I had to give up. I had to give up bitterness because it was rooted in me. I had to say I'm sorry. I haven't contacted him because I don't think I have to contact him. As long as I get it right with God, 
If he say contact, then I'll contact him because I have forgiven him right now. But I had to give up that anger in me, that bitterness that was hindering my prayers. Now, I was wondering why some things was not happening for me. That unforgiveness was hindering my prayer. Boy, I tell you, this was, uh, this was, whew, this was something when I got into it today. I couldn't really study all weekend because I couldn't see. Like, like it's going on now, I couldn't see. I even listened to the word and I just couldn't get it. I was like, God, what you want me to do? And when he said unforgiveness, I was like, okay, I ain't got it. I got it. Because <laughs> I got I had that. <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> when I was young, and if me and my sister or brother, it was a lot of us, you know, it was 17 of us. If we would get into a fight, my mom would whip us, and then she would make us tell each other, we, she forgave, I forgive you. And I had no problem saying I forgive you, but if it wasn't my fault, I couldn't say it. So I got two beatings. I got two. Because I couldn't say it. Um, I kept saying, why well, I got to say it? I forgive them, and I didn't do it. But I learned after I grew up, it's for us. <laughs> we have to get it out of our heart. But when I was young, I, I just got a second beating. Just, that wasn't happening. But bitterness is something that we cannot harbor. Hallelujah. Bitterness is a sin of the flesh. And it often manifests itself in words, poisonous lips, cursing. You ever seen someone with bitterness? They, they can't control that. It just comes out. I was around a, a, a young lady some years ago, and I was like, can you just stop that? She was mad at the world. She had not forgiven somebody, come to find out. And everything that came out of her mouth was poisoned. It was bitter. I didn't want to be around her. So I just thank God that I didn't have that in me. I asked her to forgive me for that. But I think that's a part of what's in you anyway, the cursing and the bitterness. Hallelujah. Can, no, let me ask a question. Do you know if the forgive and forget is in the Bible? Because I'm wondering how do, it, how do you forgive and forget? I haven't found forgive and forget in the Bible. I've found where we have to forgive. Let me see what I thought I wrote that down. Mm. Let's see if I can see. It's forgive and forget in the Bible. I, I haven't found it. It's a, the phrase, yeah, he does because he's all-knowing. Thank you, Lord. The phrase is it's not found in the Bible. However, there are numerous verses commanding us to forgive one another. As a Christian who's not willing to forgive others will find his fellowship with God hindered. Like I said, our prayers are hindered. And we can reap bitterness and loss of rewards. Uh, will he forgive us or will we make it into heaven? I don't know, but it's going to hinder some things. Of course, it's impossible, I think to truly forget sin that has been committed against us. We can't just delete an event from our memory because we have what's in our mind is called like a, like a memory bank. You know what I'm saying? Where, where our memories are. I don't think we can forget about it. I think 
when it comes to forgiving and forget, I believe that God is telling us, like in Philippians chapter 3, I think that's verse 12 through 14, that we have to forget those things, putting them behind us, you know, putting them behind us and, and then seeking, looking forward, you know, pressing toward the mark. Hallelujah. We have to foc not focus on those things. That would be forgetting for me. But I don't believe we can just really forget something in our head today. I just don't believe it, 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 it all goes away. But if we forgive, then it's there no more. It's like when I had pain in my foot, when I fractured my foot. That pain was awful. It was terrible. But as my foot began to heal, the pain was gone. So the pain was behind, I believe, you know what I'm saying? It's like there's no more pain. We're starting a healing process, so it's no more pain. So we put that behind, behind us. I don't believe we ever really forget about it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, unforgiveness creates emotional storms and stress of feelings and anxiety, depression, insecurity, and fear surfaces. Surfaces. Unforgiveness also creates a hardened heart when you can't forgive. A hardened heart. A heart that is bitter. A heart that has resentment. A heart that has anger and hatred towards someone else. Unforgiveness also seeps over into our relationships. We'll carry that over into our relationship. It's, it's, you want to forgive, you want to start something new, but you can't because you haven't forgiven that, that's old. So you take that on into the relationship with you. Hallelujah. What happens when we don't forgive up, when we don't give up unforgiveness? If you're unforgiven, you can bring anger, like I say, and bitterness into every relationship and new experience. You can become so wrapped up in wrong that you cannot enjoy the present. It can make you depress some of the benefits of letting go of a grudge and bitterness can make ways for improvement in our health if we give it up. It can help out in our, our relationships. It can even lower our blood pressure. It can improve our, our heart health. It can improve our self-esteem, less anxiety, and improve mental issues. Hallelujah. Now, some of the effects are depression. If we can't give it up, we can get depressed. And like I say, anger. We can feel like we have lack in the meaning and uh, um, the lack. I'm sorry. We can feel like your life lacked meaning and purpose. We can lose valuable and enriched connectedness with others. Now, does forgiveness grant, guarantee reconciliation? I don't think so. Maybe it could, maybe it can, whatever the case is. But we can, we, we can only live for ourselves. We have to still move on, still do what's right. Okay. And what happens if a person that we forgive don't change? That's on them. First of all, the point is not, you know, it's not for them to change. Forgiveness is for us. We have to think of forgiveness more about how, how it changes our life. And how it brings peace to us, happiness and emotional and spiritual healing. Praise God. Back to the, the, the story that I was talking about with, with my um, 
child. I'm going to stop here because I can't see. <laughs> Vision is really getting bad. The devil is a liar. He still hadn't won. But back to this, my child was seven years old. And I entrusted her and my son to spend the summer with their father. And I didn't want to tell this story. You know, sometimes it's so ugly, you don't want to tell it. But sometimes you have to release these things out of your life. And for some reason, he decided my little girl evidently looked good to him. Now, he didn't get to molest her, but he had her to touch him. And she said my brother, her brother came home, so he couldn't deal with her. But she said it hurt her because that's my daddy. And he made me touch what was private. That tore me apart. That my child had to go through this. She didn't speak to him. I got her out of that house. She didn't speak to him for several years. It was just two years ago that he apologized to her. Just two years ago. Him and my son has not spoken a day since. That's hatred. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of healing that needs to go on in my family. Unforgiveness is something that we cannot harbor in our heart. Unforgiveness causes a lot of stuff. Anger and bitterness and stuff tears us up. It gives us mental issues, health problems. My son deals with something going on in him right now. And I think it's a mental issue and drugs. And it's all because he can't stop thinking about what he saw his father about to do. He hadn't realized what he has done to a whole family. I thank God that I gave it up. And I've been trying. My daughter says she gave it up. And she's doing really well. But my son, I asked y'all, I solicited y'all prayer for him. Because he saw that this was a man he loved. Unforgiveness is something else. That's all I can say. I, am, I did not have a word tonight. I was about to, because I was sick all week, and I was about to call and say, I, I can't make it. But I'm saying, this is a word that was in me. I did not, I couldn't study a word tonight. I couldn't, I mean, all week. I had a head cold. I couldn't see. I said, if that was a lie, I've been out of work. But it's okay. I told Miss Michelle on my way here, I said, the devil is busy. And he want to stop me, but I'm going to still give a word. Yeah. Hallelujah. I thank God for the two that came before me because they had already preached, so I'm good. <laughs> but I want to say this in my closing because I won't be before. I can't stand before you long. They've already did it. Um, in my closing, if there's anything in your heart that you have not given up, if there's anything that you remember, because I had forgot about that. It was there, and I forgot about it. If there's anything, you know, we harbor against anyone, give it up. Because if God come back tonight, we could be lost. So my question I leave with you is that. If God come back tonight, where would you be? Pray my Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
Evangelist, can you come back up here? I, 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 I have, I, since you since you talk about, I need let me let me touch these eyes. So, okay. okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Touch me. Hallelujah. We don't, have time. we don't have time for foolishness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't have time for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the name of Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Can we give everybody a hand? Everybody